Good morning, Berean Bible Church. So glad to be with you again this morning to worship together. Uh, It's such a a, a wonderful opportunity. No matter where you're joining us from, we're thrilled to have you with us. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Berean. And before I go any farther today and really dive into our study of God's Word, I wanted to uh, give you a heads up about next week. Next week is going to be our Honor the Grads Sunday. We've got a handful of high school grads graduates. Uh, We do this every year. Uh, We had long planned to do this next Sunday. And of course, with the quarantine in effect, we debated as a staff, should we do it the same Sunday and try to do it in a different format and do it online? Or should we try to delay it? But at this point, we don't know how long we'd have to delay it. uh, And some of the kids may have left town and we really want to spend this time together. So I hope that you'll make plans and join us for that next week. Uh, Pastor Mike is going to uh, bring uh, the sermon. He's going to interview the kids. You'll get to see some great pictures of them. So I hope that you'll join us next week for Honor the Grads Sunday. I'm really looking forward to that. One of the things that has happened with this quarantine is that a lot of people took up baking. Uh, You've probably read these stories, and maybe some of you have gotten into baking uh, yourselves. Uh, And uh, because a lot of people got into baking, one of the things that there was a shortage of was flour, um, and then there was a shortage of yeast, and so a lot of people were really getting into sourdough baking. Um, (coughs) We didn't really do that here, but I saw a recipe for bagels, And that really intrigued me for whatever reason, uh, other than I guess we really enjoy bagels in our house. Uh, We often have them that we buy uh, from the store, from a bakery. Uh, And so we like a a good bagel. And I thought, I'm going to try to make bagels. And and many of you know that bagels are a little bit different than than a regular bread because they are both boiled in in a solution and then also baked. Uh, So there's that extra layer of, and I just thought that would be fun to try. And so I set out to make bagels. The bagels tasted great. Uh, Our whole family uh, really liked them. In fact, there were immediate calls from the other people in my household to make more bagels. But they weren't really right, right. Do you know what I mean? Uh, The texture of them was not quite perfect, especially on the outside. They didn't really look like a bagel. So especially toasted and with cream cheese, we ate them up. But next time I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can do a little bit better. And so I made another batch of bagels and, and they did turn out better. And I was really excited. And I thought, well, now I think I've got what I need to know to make them even better yet. And I was really excited about that third batch then of bagels. And it actually took a couple steps backward. They still tasted great. We ate them all. Uh, And I've uh, continued to have requests from my family. In fact, they're probably a little upset at me because I haven't made any more bagels yet. Uh, But they just still weren't that that texture of the surface. It just wasn't quite right. And I, I was having a hard time figuring out what I was missing and what I was getting wrong. Now, I'm sure you understand this, but just in case you don't, how would I know that I was getting something wrong? What was it? Well, the answer to that is easy, isn't it? It's because we know what bagels look like. Bagels are readily available to us. 
Again, we can get them at bakeries. We can get them at the store. Uh, we enjoy them an awful lot. We know what a bagel is supposed to look like, that nice, crisp outer shell and, and a nice, soft, chewy interior and, and, and what they're, they're supposed to be shaped like and look like, just all of these things. I, we have readily models and, and good comparisons that I can easily look at and say, well, this isn't quite right. But now I have something to shoot for. And so I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to make my family happy and try to make some more bagels. I want you to keep that in mind as you grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to go to the book of Philippians. And, and we talk frequently about the fact that we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to look like Jesus. We're supposed to imitate him. We're supposed to be reflections of him. And one of the most wonderful passages uh, in Philippians, and it's in chapter 2, and as I say that, I know so many of you already know where we're going, uh, which is wonderful. But I love this passage, uh, and I wanted to go and look at this today, because as we talk about what it means to look like Jesus, to be like Jesus. This, I think, is a really critical point. So in Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to start right now in verse 6. So Philippians 2, verse 6, it's talking about Jesus here because he has said in verse 5, and we're going to come back to this, but he said, you should have the same mind as Jesus did, who, verse 6, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. <laughs> it's really interesting language there. Um, and I want to be really careful. When it says he, he, he was in the form of God, it's, it's hard language to translate from the Greek into English, but it's not trying to suggest there that, that he just appeared as God, that he was sort of wearing a God costume or something. Uh, when it says he was in the form of God, it really means literally he was God. That was his form, his, his very nature, some translations say in English. His very nature was that he's God. That was what he is, and we have a whole host of other verses that, that, that corroborate that if we have any confusion. And so I want you to be really clear about that, that, that he was God himself, but even though that was his form, even though that was his nature, he didn't consider that something to be grasped. And the idea there is to hang on really tightly to something, to, to not let go, you know, to be holding on for dear life even to this thing, which is a really interesting thing to say about Jesus Christ, that even though his very form, his very nature was God, he didn't consider that something that he needed to hang on to. In fact, what it says after that in verse 7, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And, and here again, when this language says the form of it, it's not as if he just put on a, a, a costume of someone, that he pretended to be human. I mean, we understand he actually became human. He took on that form. He emptied himself, this language says. In, instead of grasping onto this, he, he was willing to empty himself and took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is this Christmas celebration that we talk about frequently, the incarnation 
that here we have Jesus, fully God and fully man. And I do think it's an important distinction that, that when the Bible says here, when Paul writes to the Philippians that he emptied himself, he's not suggesting that he emptied himself of his godness, that he ceased being God. That, in fact, is part of the miracle that he remained 100% God and, in addition, took on 100% humanity. He was both. That's what's so miraculous about it. But he emptied himself of, of the prerogative to exercise those things which made him God in order to be obedient, which we're going to get here to. And so it says he was, he was uh, uh, verse 8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient but not just obedient here. It says obedient to the point of death. And then Paul doesn't stop there either. He says even death on a cross. And that's important to point out here because while we understand it's a very cruel form of punishment, it also is a form of punishment that was saved for just the most heinous criminals in their society. I mean, if you really wanted to make a public show of how horrible somebody was, you know, this is what you did, and that's why he says, not just death, even death on a cross. This is the extent to which Jesus Christ humbled himself, to which Jesus Christ emptied himself, to the point where he, he didn't grasp and hang on to so tightly that which was his by right the fact that he that he was god in absolute nature that even that that he was willing to to let go of and he goes on to to say in verse 9 therefore god has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is Jesus. This is our model. This is like a perfect bagel. <laughs> and as I'm trying to, to recreate the perfect bagel, I, I can look at pictures and even hold an actual bagel and say, this is what I'm shooting for, Right? This is Jesus for us, and this is one of those things that, that he has this character that even though his, his very nature was that of God, he is God, that he didn't consider even that something that he needed to hang on to real tightly, but was willing to empty himself, to become human, to humble himself, to become obedient, even to death, even the death on a cross. This is Jesus. And so again, as we circle back to this, because the context here, as we alluded to before, is this verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then that whole bit that we just read, who, even though he was God, did this thing. Have this mind in yourselves. And in fact, I want to back up even a, a little bit further if we back up another verse to get the full context here. Because Paul, as he's writing this letter, he's, he's talking about unity among the believers. But here in verse 4, he just says very pointedly, let each of you 
look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he paints this beautiful picture. Here's the example, see? Here's the perfect example of that, of what that looks like. There's another verse uh, that puts it maybe even more bluntly. This is also a letter written by Paul, but back in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24 says this, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Isn't that something else? Let no one seek his own good, but instead the good of his neighbor. And here again, even though it's not laid out explicitly in this context in 1 Corinthians, the reason Paul can write that is because our perfect example, our model, is Jesus Christ, who did just that who instead of just looking out for his own interests, did exactly the opposite thing. He looked out for my interests. He looked out for your interest. He served the interest of every man, woman, and child alive. That's why we can get these commands to don't even worry about your own interests, but worry about the interests of your neighbor. We have been going through so many things this year as a, as a country, as a whole world even. Our culture has been thrown into great turmoil. And I think throughout a lot of this, there has been a lot of talk about rights. And I think of that you know, with, with regard to this whole quarantine, which has been annoying. It's been inconvenient. It's been, frankly, really difficult when, when we hear things about the uptick in cases of mental health problems. That's a real struggle. We're, we're having a hard time with this. But throughout all of that, there oftentimes is this cry, sometimes on our part, you know, that this isn't fair. You can't tell me what to do. Sometimes it's something very simple, there are certain stores that have said, if you're going to come into our store, we're going to require you to wear a mask. And some people have gotten really angry about that and said, you can't make me wear a mask. And it's sort of, you know, baked maybe into our DNA, even as Americans. We have a history that we're proud of, of, of really being rebels and standing up and taking up arms, even if we have to, to protect our rights but what I want to suggest to you is that is not the model of Jesus Christ. Just to think about that simple example of masks. There's been great debate, I understand. But let's just for sake of argument say that you're a person who doesn't believe that masks do any bit of good. And again, just for sake of argument, let's say that you are 100% correct in that. Even so, is it that hard to put on a mask to go into a store rather than fighting about it? See, this is the model that Jesus Christ sets for us. To not be so worried about his own rights, to not consider even his deity, his godness, something that he had to hang on to but was willing to empty himself of that. I think that you and I 
should make it our goal to be as exactly as concerned about our own personal rights as Jesus Christ was. I want to say that again. We would do well to be exactly as concerned about our own personal rights as Jesus Christ was. That's a hard message for us. I understand. I'm not going to suggest that it's really simple. And yet, as we think about what it means to be followers of Jesus and what it means to be imitators of Jesus, that's what it looks like, is to endeavor to be exactly as concerned about our own personal rights as Jesus Christ was in his own life. But furthermore, you see in both of these passages, both in Philippians and in 1 Corinthians, that there's not only this sense of don't strive for your own rights, but to look out for others, to look out for your neighbor, to look out for the people around you. And of course, our perfect model of this is Jesus Christ too. It's in that same passage in Philippians, the reason that he came and was obedient to death, even the death on a cross, was for you and I. It was for the whole world. And now we are called, again, as as this verse in 1 Corinthians just says so pointedly, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. How do we seek the good of our neighbor? And sometimes that's as simple as putting on a mask, even if we think it's silly and we think it's unnecessary to say, oh, it's okay, I'll put this on for my neighbor, for the people around me, it's okay. Sometimes maybe that's more serious. You know, we've been struggling again. It, it makes my heart ache. But we've been struggling again in our nation with the fact that we have this issue of racism still going on. It it might not be legal per se, but it's still there. We're still seeing a whole group of people in our country, our neighbors, many of them our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, who are crying out and saying, we're afraid. We feel disenfranchised, we feel cut off, we feel less than, and frankly, we're afraid. We're afraid for ourselves, we're afraid for our children. We feel like we can't trust the people who are there to enforce the laws of our land. We're afraid and we're tired. How do you and I endeavor to look out for the needs of our neighbors? How can we do that? See, this is the example and the model of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who even though he was God, was willing to set that aside for you, for me, for everyone else. And so what does this look like as we talk about being Christ ones, as we talk about what that means to imitate Christ, to look like him, to behave like him. And I want to suggest this is a huge one for us right now. And we've got some some particular opportunities that are going on right now 
in our culture to either shine and to be a beacon of this or to not. And I want to suggest that this is a great opportunity for you and I to model Jesus Christ, to look like that perfect example and to say, I'm not even going to worry about my rights. Instead, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to think about and focus on it and have a concern for the rights, for the, the, the welfare of my neighbors. And especially when we have people who are our neighbors. They might not live next door to your house on the same street, but we've got our neighbors in our nation that we have a great opportunity to look out for. And when we do that, we become like Jesus to them. We model that love and that grace. When we don't do that, then we don't. I'm not sure what we're modeling, but it isn't Jesus Christ. Now, if those are hard words for you, I'm sorry, and yet I'm not really sorry because this is God's word to you and I. That this is how we are to behave. So again, if you and I can be exactly as concerned about our own rights and our own welfare as Jesus Christ was, we'll be doing great. And if you and I can be exactly as concerned about the welfare and the rights of other people, our neighbors, as Jesus was, that is when we really start looking like Jesus Christ. And that's where we're supposed to be. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you so much as we so often do. And we never want to get tired of thanking you for your immense love and your grace and your power, your mercy, all of these things that are so praiseworthy and you are just the perfect example of all of those things i thank you for jesus christ who is our perfect model and as we strive to be like him we thank you that we have your word revealed to us and we can open this up and and read it and and not just say in some nebulous vague way let's be like jesus without understanding what that means we've got some really clear examples that make it really pointed what it looks like to imitate Jesus Christ. And in this, God, we pray that you would convict us. We pray that, especially with some kind of unique opportunities in our, in our country and in our neighborhoods right now, to look like Jesus Christ that we would be precisely as concerned about our own rights as Jesus was. And that conversely, we would be exactly as, as concerned about the welfare of others as Jesus was. God, help us to imitate Jesus Christ. Convict us when we're not doing it. We confess, God, we miss the mark. But help us to continue to look at that model again and to try again, to try a new batch of bagels and to do it better. 
God, thank you for our salvation. We thank you that this is freely available to everyone who will accept what Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. No matter what background, no matter what status, what their previous life has looked like up to this point, no matter what, that Jesus says, I offer you this gift. I paid the price for you. I humbled myself to death, even the death on a cross, because I love you. And I want you to have the gift of salvation. Receive this gift. And Father, we pray for everyone who's with us this morning. And for everyone who is in the sphere of influence of all of us, who doesn't yet know you, that they would understand that simple but powerful truth that salvation comes because of what Jesus Christ did. And to accept that free gift that you've provided to us. God, we thank you. We pray you continue to bless us, to build us up, to mature us as followers of Jesus and make us better and better imitators of him and that the people around us would see that. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much, Berean Bible Church. God bless you. I hope you have a wonderful week. And come and join us next week as we honor our grads together. Grace and peace be with you.